So, Father, we thank you tonight for your word. We thank you tonight for Hebrews 11 and the Hall of Fame of Faith and the time that we're able to take studying and uncovering all the gems that you've hidden in here for those who seek you with diligence. Holy Spirit, open up the word to us tonight and allow us to enjoy what you put in here, Lord God. Bury it deep in our hearts and let it produce fruit in our lives. I ask it in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Hebrews 11, verse 20 through 22. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, even regarding things to come. By faith, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of, his so each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones. So these three, ver these three verses here have three more by faiths. And you know, we've been honing in on those. We've been honing in on uh, those who are in the Hall of Fame, looking at their character, looking at their journey. Uh, they cover Isaac and Jacob, which are two of the patriarchs, and they're important uh, the patriarchs of the Jewish nation, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We don't serve the Christian God. We serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Amen? The God of the Jew is the God of the Christian. There is no Christianity without Judaism. Christianity has completed Judaism. So as we're looking at Isaac here, we're looking at Jacob. Remember, it's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. These are two of the three patriarchs we're looking at tonight, and there's a by faith in front of their names. Now, the third one is Jacob's favored son, Joseph. We know all about Joseph. There's much that Genesis has to say about him. We're going to look at him a little bit tonight, and we're going to look at all three of these, Isaac, uh, Jacob, and Joseph. Now, rather than do an in-depth character study on each of these three like I have been doing, I feel the text groups them together for a reason. So we're going to group them together, and there, there's a specific point being made here by these three verses. And the point is how each of them used faith in a prophetic sense to speak the will of God into the next generation. Now, I said all that, and I'm going to read you the verse again. Just listen to it. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, even regarding things to come. By faith, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones. Look what they're doing by faith. Prophetically, they are passing the proverbial baton of what God is doing down to the next generation. This is so important to understand. Abraham passed it to Isaac. Isaac passed it to Jacob. Jacob passed it to Joseph and his sons, and they became the nation of Israel. We see the continuity of what God is doing. God doesn't do things in a vacuum. He doesn't do things haphazardly. He doesn't do things as an anomaly. There is order and structure in everything God does. And in what he's doing in your life, there's order and there's structure. And I want you to see that. And it's bigger than me, and it's bigger than you. And there's going to be something passed down from all of us to the next generation. Should the Lord tarry and not come to get his church, there's going to be something passed down. And look what passes it down. It's faith. Faith passes the baton of what God is doing down to the next generation. Now, we're going to take a look at each one of these that are mentioned here, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And uh, 
we're not going to go into as much detail as we did as we looked at the others because the grouping makes the point. So let's first look at Isaac. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau even regarding things to come. So it, it's a blessing for the future. And understand, Isaac speaks the blessing as the patriarch to his sons, uh, Jacob and Esau. Now let's take a look at that. Isaac was the son of promise. He was given to Abraham and Sarah in their old age. After many decades of barrenness, of struggle, of detours, they made an Ishmael on the way. Hello? Anybody have detours? Anybody have struggles? Anybody face doubt and unbelief? Come on. Their journey's our journey. And the patriarch here, he, he's, he's blessing them in his old age, and he has this son of promise, and it's Isaac. Now, Isaac was the son Abraham was willing to sacrifice at God's command. You know he waited a long time for him. You know it was his only son. You know God promised him you're going to be, uh, you know, the father of many nations. That's what your name means. And your descendants are going to be more numerous than the sands of the seashore. So understand that when he was willing to sacrifice Isaac, Abraham, when he was willing to do that, he was making a statement here. Isaac was Abraham's test. Anybody have children? You feel like some days they're a test. Come on. And, you know, they are a test for us, learning to parent, learning to love, learning unconditional love, having patience. Isaac was a test for Abraham. And Abraham passed the test. And the test proved this, that God was more important to Abraham than his only son. That God was more important to Abraham than his legacy. You see, Understand something, when he put Isaac on that altar, if, if he did kill him and offer him to God, which you know God wasn't going to let him do anyway, and the angel stopped him, we know the story, but it, him being willing to do that means I'm willing to end my legacy. I've left my family, I've went to a land that I don't know, I've trusted God, I've done what he said, I've waited, I'm a hundred, I got the son, but God, if you want him, it's yours. The test was... Abraham, am I more important to you than your son? Am I more important to you than your legacy? And Abraham, he passed the test. One thing that I see here is that Abraham's actions show that his pleasing God was even more important to him than getting what he was promised. You know, we can focus on what we get out of things more than we ought to. Anybody ever experienced that? Come on, and I'm saying that kind of tongue-in-cheek because all of us are like, what's in it for me? And you're trying to look holy out there. Yes, it did occur to me once. <laughs> no, we're all, we're all about what's in it for me. And God understands that he wired us that way to a degree. But listen, Abraham was willing to sacrifice Isaac and, and, and give up his legacy, give up the promise, and he's saying, God, you're more important to me than the promise you made. Uh, you'll figure out another way to do it, God, I trust you, but understand something, you're on the throne of my heart. So Isaac is a test for Abraham. I want to say something, never let getting the gifts become more important than knowing and pleasing the one who gives the gifts. Never let, get, oh, I want this gift, and I want that gift, and I want this spiritual gift. Come on, it's a spiritual gift, you know, and I, and I want this financial level of comfort, and, I want, and we, we want all these things, and I get it, but never let the pursuit of those things or the getting of those things be, become more important than knowing God. That, that's, that's the whole trick to life right there. 
Don't chase the wind. Don't chase material things. Don't, don't chase, you know, what the world says you got to have, but chase God. So here's this Isaac here that is the son of promise. He was put on an altar. He was almost ended. God uh, preserves him. He was a test for his father. Now, Isaac had two sons born to him by his wife, Rebekah. Listen to the account of what's going on in Rebekah's belly here as these two sons are in there. It says, but the children struggled together within her. I don't, I don't know if anyone's ever been pregnant with twins. One seems like enough in there. Two is definitely a crowd. But the children struggled together within her and said, if it is so, why am I in this condition? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, she's like, God, it's like, you know, it's like the WWE in my belly. He said, you have two nations in your womb, and two people will be separated from your body, and one people will be stronger than the other. The older will serve the younger. When her days leading to the delivery were at an end, behold, there were twins in her womb. So here's Rebecca. She's pregnant. She's got two of them in there. And, and there's, there's conflict within her. And she feels it. And it's so tumultuous. And it's so, you know, something's going on in there. She comes to the Lord. He says, you got two nations. There's twins in you. You know, the older uh, is going to serve the younger. So there's some really powerful prophetic, prophetic things here. Now understand, Jacob and Esau were in there. And these two boys, we're going to talk about in just a second here, but even from the womb, they had sibling rivalry. From the womb. Can you imagine? Well, you know, you got a brother, yeah. How do you get along? We were fighting in mom's belly. You know, we've been fighting since we were embryos. We, we've just been always at odds. Think about that. Sibling rivalry from conception within Rebecca's womb. Isaac's promised son, uh, the one who's going to, the one who's going to carry the mantle and receive the baton is the younger. And when they come out, uh, we're going to look at Jacob and Esau in just a minute. Esau comes out first, but, but as he comes out, Jacob has got his heel. It's an interesting way to be born, isn't it? They were fighting even through the birth canal. And one beat the other, and the other one is like, not so fast, buddy. Think about that. Now, Jacob who was born second, was called a heel catcher or a supplanter. It, it, it literally means to you know, try to take something from somebody, to supplant, a heel catcher. He, from the womb, you know, both of these boys had serious character issues. And you know what? The truth is all of us have issues, all right? This is the time to try and look innocent, but we all have issues. These boys had serious character issues. Here's Jacob, born second. He's a heel catcher. He's literally got his brother's heel. Oh, not so fast, Esau. You know, they're fighting to get out. Uh, he, he comes out, and what's his character like? Well, Jacob's deceptive, and he's shrewd, and he's the quintessential opportunist. All his life, he's deceptive, and he's shrewd, and we're going to see his opportunistic uh, heart that he will even get the birthright from his brother who's starving for a bowl of porridge. That's opportunistic. That's shrewd. That's being a supplanter, and that's who Jacob was. How about Esau? 
Man, if you thought Jacob was bad, Esau was worse. Esau was a brood of a man. He was carnal in his thinking. He had no regard for the God of his father. He had no fear of the Lord. Esau was only concerned about possessing the land, and he didn't care about pleasing God or knowing God. He just wanted the birthright. He just wanted the material uh, things. He wanted the land. He was a man of the land. He didn't have a regard for uh, the God of Isaac, his father. And you're going to see when he goes out, he, he starts a, another people group that is a godless, heathenish people group. They don't serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They serve a, a little G, God. So Esau, he had, you know, this idea where I, I just want the inheritance. I just want the land. I just want the power, but I don't want God. Jacob, he was deceptive and shrewd, and he was opportunistic, but he, his heart was a little more inclined towards the Lord. God chooses Jacob over Esau to father the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, there's a problem here. Esau came out first. The firstborn is supposed to get everything, but it's not going to work out that way. And we're going to see this is how the, the faith rolls into this. It, it's by faith, Isaac speaks a blessing into both of his son's futures. Why, why did this take faith? Because it wasn't the blessing he would have chosen or even intended to give. Because Isaac favored Esau over Jacob. Now, we understand what happened here is the mother, Rebekah, she loved Jacob. Uh, Isaac loved Esau, so Rebekah dresses Jacob up. Remember, puts goat skins on him, so he's furry and hairy because Esau was hairy and red, and, and Isaac can't see anymore, so mom deceives her husband. She puts her son in there, and she gets Jacob to trick Isaac into giving him the, the firstborn blessing. Deception in the family, trickery, uh, shrewdness. Where did, where did Jacob get his shrewdness? Where did he get his deceptiveness? Hello, mom. And they trick Isaac, and Isaac blesses him. Listen to the blessing that Isaac gives to Jacob. This should have gone to Esau by natural order, but God had a different plan. Genesis 27, 28 through 30. Now may God give you the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and the abundance of grain and new wine. May people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be masters of your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be those who curse you, and blessed be those who bless you. Quite a blessing, amen? Now realize, this is just not just Isaac being, you know, poetic and, you know, just, you know, heartfelt and, hey, I'm your daddy. No, this is the word of the Lord over Jacob. And he was planning to give that blessing to Esau, but he was tricked into giving it to Jacob. So now listen to the blessing that Esau got. Esau comes in, he's out there trying to get some venison for his dad because his dad loved him and he loved venison. He comes, uh, he comes in after Jacob goes out and here's the, here's the leftover blessing that he gets. Genesis 27, 39 through 40. Then his father Isaac answered and said to him, behold, away from the fertility of the earth shall your dwelling and away from the dew of heaven from above. And by your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But it shall come about when you become restless that you will break his yoke from your neck. Wow. More conflict. More struggle. You're going to live by your sword. Does that sound fun? Raiding, pillaging, protecting what you can hoard. You're going to bow down to your brother. You're going to become restless. You're going to break the yoke off your neck. Wow. 
Jacob got the principal blessing, the chief blessing. Esau got what was left over. It was God's design. There was deception involved. There was, uh, there was the, the usurping of natural order, yet Esau somehow gave away his birthright, and God looked down at that and saw his heart, and he chose the younger over the older. He chose Jacob over Esau. Now, Isaac wanted to bless Esau, but he, he didn't. He was tricked. But look at this. This is where the faith comes in. The blessing Isaac gave to Jacob was God's will. Jacob may have obtained it by deceit, but when Isaac found out about that, knowing that it was God's will, he refused to reverse it, and that took great faith. That's where it is right there. That's what impressed God, that even though it wasn't Isaac's will and, and, and he was tricked, when Isaac realized it was the will of God, he did not dare reverse it. Look, he was the patriarch. He could have had everybody executed for what they did. Back time, that's how they met out justice by then. You, you, don't, you don't fool the patriarch. Yet when he found out what had happened and he realized it was God's will, he allowed it to stand and God said, that took great faith and I'm going to honor you for that because you chose my will over your own will. You gave a blessing that you didn't want to give, but you allowed it to stand because you knew that it was my way. And so he passes down the baton in God's order, and God counts it as great faith for him. Let's look at Jacob. By faith, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of his sons of Joseph and worshiped leaning on top of his staff. So Jacob is old. He's had a hard life. We're going to mention that and talk about that a little bit. He's been through a lot of stuff. You see, people who are deceptive and shrewd and opportunistic, they reap what they sow. Hello? And, and Jacob definitely did. You see, but it was God's will. Shouldn't God just have overlooked it and winked at it? No, because that lack of character demanded that God deal with him and grind off the rough edges. Now, Jacob's life wasn't easy, yet at the end of his life, he blesses the sons of Joseph, and he leans on his staff to do it. He's old and he's feeble, but yet he passes the baton by faith. Now, you say, well, why wasn't Jacob's life easy? And he pays back the debt of deceit he and his mother had perpetrated on Isaac 10 times over. You say, how did he pay it back? By Laban. If you know the story, as shrewd and as deceitful as Jacob was, Laban was 10 times worse. And I want, I want you to understand something. People who have bad character will meet their match in some other person. God will see to it. So don't get upset. Oh, this person's bad. They're deceptive. They're doing. Listen, God will not be mocked. Whatsoever man sows, he will reap. So Jacob reaps himself a Laban. And if you study what happened in Genesis with these two, I mean, they're totally trying to outflank each other. And it was such a mess and it was so ridiculous that you, you just look at it and go, man, why, why would he even have to go through that, you know? It's because God was grinding off the rough edges. God used Laban to perfect Jacob and to perfect his character. Yeah, he walked with a limp eventually because he wanted to wrestle with an angel. That's how stubborn he was. He, it took an angel to, to, to cripple him partially before he would humble himself. But Laban was the mechanism that allowed Jacob to become Israel and have his heart changed. Now, the sons Jacob had uh, would form the 12 tribes of Israel. And Jacob has 12 sons by four different women. Uh, guys, don't get any ideas. This was a special situation here. 
but there are four women involved. In, it wasn't just one lady with 12 children. No, they were Jewish, not Irish, okay? So <laughs> let's see about this crowd here. So Leah, who is not the one that Jacob wanted to marry, as you remember, Rachel was, but what Laban tricked him and put a veil on her, and when he lifted up the veil, he married the older sister. Okay, Leah, not the chosen bride, but she is responsible for half of the boys that will become tribes in Israel. She gave birth to Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulon. So those are six of the 12 tribes just from Leah, and, and he didn't even choose her. Thank God that God's in charge, amen? Because Rachel only has two children through this whole ordeal. She has Joseph and Benjamin. Now, Joseph will not be a tribe of his own, but there will be two half-tribes of his sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. Those are the two boys that Jacob is about to bless here. Zilpah has Gad and Asher, and Bilhah has Dan and Naphtali. And those are the 12 tribes right there. Now, Joseph winds up in Egypt. And he, he's seemingly there by his brother's treachery, but it's not because it's God's plan all along. J Joseph rises to power, saves his family, and in doing so, preserves the nation of Israel. Because if they're snuffed out by famine right there, God's got to start over. And so uh, God honors Joseph, and Jacob honors Joseph here, and he has two half-tribes. His sons born in Egypt, Ephraim and Manasseh, are about to be blessed by uh, their grandfather here, and it's a powerful thing. Jacob uh, is used by God. His family escapes the famine, and now he comes to live with Joseph in Egypt, and he's blessing the two sons. I want you to listen to the blessing he speaks over them and how this occurs. Kim is going to come and read you Genesis 48, 11 through 22. Um, listen to what occurs here as uh, he gives the blessing, and you, I want you to look for where the faith is involved. And Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face, and behold, God has let me see your children as well. Then Joseph took them from his knees and bowed with his face to the ground. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim with his right hand toward Israel's left, and Manasseh with his left hand toward Israel's right, and brought them close to him. But Israel reached out his right hand and placed it on the head of Ephraim, who was the younger, and his left hand on Manasseh's head, crossing his hands, although Manasseh was the firstborn. And he blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the boys, and may my name live on in them, and the names of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and may they grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. When Joseph saw that his father placed his right hand on Ephraim's head, it displeased him, and he grasped his father's hand to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to his father, Not so, my father, for this one is the firstborn. Place your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He also will become a people, and he also will be great. However, his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his descendants shall become a multitude of nations. So he blessed them that day, 
saying, by you, Israel will pronounce blessings, saying, may God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. And so he put Ephraim before Manasseh. Then Israel said to Joseph, behold, I am about to die, but God will be with you and bring you back to the land of your fathers. And I give you one portion more than your brothers, which I took from the hand of the Amorite with my sword and my bow. So here's the scene. Jacob is blessing the two boys. He, he, he never thought he'd see his son Joseph again, yet he not only gets to see his son, he gets to see his grandsons. And he's old, and he's leaning on his staff, and he's going to bless the two boys. And uh, order would have it, and protocol would have it, and tradition would have it, that the older gets the blessing from the right hand. But what does he do? He crosses his hands. you got to get this here. Why did he cross his hands? Because God had chosen Ephraim over Manasseh. And you got to understand something. What he just did there took faith. He had to hear God. He had to know what God was saying. He, he had to do something that was out of order, that was against protocol, that was breaking tradition. And he, he was willing to do it. He, he, he shows his great faith here. Now, he shows the tenacity of his faith when his son says, no, 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 dad, you're doing it wrong. And he says, no, 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 I'm not doing it wrong. I'm doing it God's way. I'm willing to not do it man's way. I'm not willing to do it your way, but I'm going to do it God's way. And, and, and Joseph grabs his hands and, and straightens them out, and, and Jacob's like, nope, this is it. See, it takes great faith to go against the tide of man's opinion. It takes great faith to go against tradition and protocol and the expectations of others. I mean, you can't pastor a church if you want to please everybody and, and, and satisfy everybody's expectations. You can't do it. And understand that he, when he crossed his hands and Joseph tried to uncross his hands and he wouldn't, that shows the tenacity of his faith. And God said, that's great faith there and I'm going to reward you for it. The fact that Jacob does this in a foreign country, in a place where, you know, uh, that's not his own, he's physically and culturally weak, you know, Joseph could have threw him out. Joseph was second in command of Egypt. Uh, he took a risk here. How many realize it, it's a risk to do God's will sometimes? It's a risk to show great faith sometimes because people can get bent out of shape out about it, and some people aren't going to like it, and sometimes they're in charge. So Jacob, he's leaning on his staff. Uh, maybe he thought, hey, I, I'm, I'm on my way out anyway. I might as well do it God's way this time. The fact that he gets up out of a sick bed and stands up to do this shows that he honors God. You know, he didn't just do it from bed. He just He, he got up to show the significance of what he was doing here. There's a lot of faith displayed in that. Let's look at Joseph here as we close this message down. By faith, it says in verse 22, Joseph, when he was dying, everybody's at the end. Remember, they're passing the baton here. This is the point. They're using faith to, to prophetically pass the baton of what God is doing to the next generation. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones. Uh, we're not going to say much about Joseph here, but there are some points. What was counted as Joseph's great faith that got him into the Hall of Fame of Faith in Hebrews 11 is his confidence that God would take care of his people after his death, and that's detailed in Genesis 50. Listen to Genesis 50, 24 through 26. 
Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will assuredly take care of you and bring you up from this land to the land which he promised an oath to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. So he gets the lineage here. He gets the baton passed down. He understands what God's doing. Now he's passing it down. Verse 25, then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will assuredly take care of you, and you shall carry my bones up from here. So Joseph died at the age of 110, and they embalmed him and placed him in a coffin in Egypt. Joseph tells his brothers, God's going to take care of them. Now, that took great faith in and of itself. Why? Because he can't take care of them anymore. At least they thought that he was taking care of them. He wanted them to be reminded it was God who was taking care of all of them. That takes great faith. People in positions of authority sometimes forget it's not them, but it's God. And Joseph didn't forget that. He shows his faith in God. Listen, I've been through a lot of stuff, man. I've been in pits. I've been in prisons. I've been in palaces. But it's always been God that's kept me. And he kept me. And guess what, guys? He's going to keep you too. Now, obviously, Joseph had buried the hatchet and had no malice towards his brothers here. Because, you know, at the end of his life, he could have just thrown them under the bus. But he, he wouldn't do that because he understood this was God's plan, this was Israel's future, and it was all wrapped up in the faithfulness of God. Joseph had faith in the faithfulness of God, and God counted it as righteousness to him. Joseph knew that even though his life was ending, God's plan for his people was not ending, and it would continue. And here again, it's that reminder that everything we do in this life leads into the next generation, and it's bigger than us. It's going to surpass us. It's going to outlive us, and God is going to preserve it. Joseph knew all that, and, and God was pleased with it. Now, listen, this one last note here I want to cover. The fact that Joseph made them swear not to leave his bones behind in Egypt shows more faith. It shows that even though he had been in Egypt and had ruled Egypt, he'd never become an Egyptian in his heart. He's like, guys, don't, don't leave me here. Not even my bones here. I want, when you go and you go into the promise, I want you to take me with you. Because though God put me here and he used me here and I'm in Egypt, I'm not an Egyptian in my heart. I'm part of the family of God, the nation of Israel. And when you guys go to possess the promise, I want you to take me with you. That is great faith to know that God's plan is going to continue and even your death, what's left behind of you, you want to participate in what God is doing. Wow. Amen. I don't know about you, but when I die, I don't care what they do with my bones. <laughs> Send them to the glue factory. I don't care. <laughs> but this guy had the big picture and he was passing the baton down. And that's what I want you to see in all of these things. I'm going to read you the, the verse at the end. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to listen to these three verses out of Hebrews 11 in the light of the fact that we understand where their faith was demonstrated and the fact that they passed the baton down and that God rewarded them for their great faith. Listen. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, even regarding things to come. By faith, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones. God rewards faith. Amen.
Give him some praise tonight. Bless you, Lord.